Amen. Thank you for that prayer, Shelby. If you will stand as you are able and hear our scripture this morning. From the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, hear now the word of the Lord. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, hello, hello, and welcome again to Brentwood United Methodist Church. It is such a joy to see you all here this morning. What a wonderful time of the year, not just because the birds are chirping and the sun is shining and the red buds um, and the cherry blossoms have all been in full bloom, but what a wonderful time of the year it is because today we get to celebrate Easter Day. The day that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, the day we celebrate a truly joy-filled, exuberant, brimming with excitement reality that love, 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 capital L, love reigns. We are so glad that you have found your way here to Brentwood, whether you regularly worship with us or you're visiting. We are so glad that each and every one of you is here in these pews to celebrate Easter. I always love to stop and think about how people all over the world are celebrating Easter at the same time as us, or at least on this same day. How people from Chattanooga to California to Mexico to Colombia to Uganda to Germany, to even Japan, people all around the globe are singing the praises that Christ has risen and that in that resurrection we have hope and love and peace. Our world could surely use some more of that. A lot has happened since this time last year. I don't know if you were with us in Easter 2018 or not, but if you do a quick scan of the news from the past year from around the world, Man, a lot has happened. First of all, cloud and leopard cubs were born at the Nashville Zoo. <laughs> Look how cute she is. Amazon chose Nashville as one of its major operation hubs, and about 66 people per day made Nashville their new home. Welcome. Brentwood UMC packed over 200,000 meals to be sent out to folks in need of food around the world. 
A little league soccer team was rescued by an international collaboration from a flooding cave system in Thailand. And Prince Harry and Meghan Markle got married. But at the same time, four people were fatally shot and four more wounded at a Waffle House about 15 miles from here. About 120 homeless men and women died on the streets of Nashville, a staggering and growing number. Another rural hospital closed in Tennessee, making it one of at least nine rural hospitals that have closed in Tennessee alone since 2012. A growing crisis across the United States that leaves many people without access to health care. Devastating hurricanes ripped through Mexico Beach, the Gulf Coast, and the Carolinas. And over 700,000 people in Myanmar have had to flee extreme violence as refugees, not to mention the millions of refugees fleeing conflict and poverty around the world. It was a full year. A year of ups and downs and everything in between, and the quick headlines I read, obviously, don't include all the news. And they most certainly don't include the headlines of our own personal lives. Maybe the headlines of your own lives include births and graduations and retirements and new exciting jobs. And maybe they include losses of jobs or losses of friends, family, divorce, loneliness. I say all of this not for the sake of a memory highlight reel of 2018 and early 19. I recount these stories, bring them to our memories and the ones that come flooding back with them because it's interesting to me. When you hold the news stories of the past year in one hand and in the other hand right beside it, you hold the scripture that we read today, you will see that they are more alike than not in many ways. The ups and downs of the world of 2018 and 19 and the emotions that come with those ups and downs aren't unlike the 28th chapter of Matthew, written about 2,000 years ago. The book of Matthew provides us with what I think is the most emotive and power-packed telling of the Easter story in the Gospels. Earthquakes and angels, guards so scared they're like dead men and a dead man coming to life, women throwing themselves at the feet of a resurrected Jesus and then running to tell the world it's full of raw emotion and urgency, suspense and faith. And it's also wrought with fear. Matthew mentions fear more than any other gospel telling of the Easter story. And many of the news stories we mentioned certainly bring about fear, or in the least, an uneasy stomach. If we look back at Matthew, it says, For fear of the angel, the guards shook. But the angel said to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, Do not be afraid, because they are in fact afraid. So they, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, left the tomb quickly with fear, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, because indeed, again, there is some fear. And in fact, if we were to dig into the whole book of Matthew a bit more, even in the first chapter, the very first scene, an angel appears to Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, and says to him, do not be afraid, because even from the beginning of the story of Jesus, 
there is someone marked by their fear. And then again, literally halfway through the book, in chapter 14, the disciples are out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and there suddenly comes this storm with great wind. And I can just imagine they are scared to death that they are going to tumble over, and they're holding on to the sides, and Jesus walks on water to come save them, and they think he's a ghost, and he has to say, take courage, do not be afraid, fear. You see a common thread from the beginning to the middle and all the way until almost the end, the story of Jesus and the people around him and the story of our lives is marked with fear. I took my kiddos to an Easter egg hunt at the Nolansville Public Library this past week. There were 1,700 Easter eggs for 41 and 2-year-olds. It was insane. Brightly colored eggs all over the yard And you still saw toddlers with parents cheering them on, wandering out, a little bit scared of those Easter eggs. What's going on? Of course, there are all kinds of levels of fear. There's that toddler fear, a a new child taking their first steps. I remember as a kid being scared to jump off the diving board. And then once I did it for the first time, I was like all in. The summer changed and I was cannonballing and split jumping and toothpicking into the summer, into the pool all summer long. And I remember spending the night at my grandparents' house when I was about seven or eight years old and having a nightmare that felt so real, I woke myself up screaming because I literally thought wolves were chasing me through the woods. Then I remember getting what I thought was my dream job after college and about a year in having this unsettling feeling like it wasn't where I was supposed to be but I had no idea why or where to go. And I remember giving birth to my first child and looking at her pink skin and misshapen head and having no earthly idea what to do, but knowing that I was suddenly totally responsible for someone else's life. I remember the loss of a grandparent and sitting with that loss and the fear of the future and the grief that comes with such things. And as a parent and a human in general, I can recount the small anxieties and stresses of each day that can take over, feeling like I haven't done enough or finished enough or been perfect enough. And you might be thinking, well, hey, I'm not a fearful person. You know, I'd probably say that about myself too, and probably my friends would describe me as not a fearful person. But I often think that, at least in my own life, and maybe and yours too, I'm pretty good at masking my fears even from myself by making my words sound prettier. Instead of fear, I use words like stress, anxiety, concern, doubt, nervousness, unease, which I think can all be traced back to and rooted in fear. Fear can sneak into our lives in tricky ways Fear that there's not enough time, not enough money, not enough support or buy-in, not enough room, not enough people to help or care, not enough power, not enough. I was reading several psychology journals and magazines about the role of fear in our lives as I prepared for this sermon, and article after article seemed to shout that fear rules us. One author wrote, I have been a student of motivation for more than three decades. And I can think of thousands of motivations that tempt us daily. 
love, hunger, lust, comfort, health, status, and so on. However, the top motivator is fear. It is such a strong driver of our behavior that it may also form the very basis for every other motivator in our lives. Another author explaining his research wrote, I think it's accurate to say that fear underlies pretty much every kind of conflict in life. So fear has a way of ruling us. But what's so powerful when we take our newspapers in one hand and our scripture in the other right beside it, we see while the headlines of our lives may be marked with great fear and anxiety with little to no hope or positive response, scripture tells us that where there is fear, Christ brings us faith. If we look back at the Easter story, fear is replaced by faith. Fear is replaced by hope placed in a resurrected Christ. This story we read starts with Mary Magdalene and the other woman named Mary coming to the tomb where Jesus was laid after he was crucified. Imagine their emotion. In the Gospel of Mark, it says they are coming with the oils and spices that you use for anointing dead bodies. I imagine they deeply grieve pour themselves into the rituals of respect and honor for Jesus, planning to anoint him not only with the oils, but with their tears. Even if they believe that Jesus would rise again on the third day, which the text implies before we read, they just saw a man they loved and cherished beaten to a pulp and then crucified. The trauma of that had to have taken hold in some form, And not only that, the whole of Jesus' death is surrounded by political uproar and violent, mob-like behavior. Just a few verses before what we read, Pontius Pilate, a prefect of Rome who had ordered Jesus' crucifixion, orders soldiers to seal the tomb so Jesus can't rise again like Jesus said he would. And then Pontius Pilate places what I imagine to be big, beefy, intimidating Roman guards, maybe the ones that actually crucified Jesus, at the tomb to protect it. It's not a popular time to be a Jesus follower. You know the women have to fear for their own lives, just as it seemed Peter, one of Jesus' most dedicated disciples, did when he knowingly denied Jesus three times just three days before this scene that we read, he was too scared to admit that he knew Jesus. The consequences could be deadly, and the same intensity exists in our story. And then there's this great earthquake, a rocking of the earth that can only but set a scene of turbulence and terror. The women and the guards are probably seeking safety, fearing for their lives, And then there appears an angel, like lightning, the text says, who I imagine effortlessly moves the giant stone which blocks the tomb, a stone that probably took multiple burly soldiers to move. We often think, or I think, of angels as comforting and light and effervescent. Maybe that's how the angel felt to the women, but the guards, the angel's appearance was so fear-inducing that they, quote, became like dead men. 
giant, stout, war-enduring, war Green Beret, steel, SEAL Team-style Special Forces Roman soldiers scared to death. And the angel looks at the women, who must have been scared too because the angel is compelled to tell them, do not be afraid. There is no need to fear, for the Jesus you follow has overcome fear and replaced it with hope. The Jesus you follow has overcome death with life, cruelty, and hate with love. Go, tell the others, Jesus Christ has risen. And then I love this next line. These women quickly leave the tomb with fear and great joy. A mixture of being confused and overwhelmed, but excited and thankful, the fear is starting to leave. Jesus has risen, and as they run to tell the good news, Jesus himself appears, and they are so overwhelmed with this faith and thanksgiving and joy that they throw themselves at his feet. I imagine the fear and the panic they had felt is flooding out of them and being replaced with sobs of utter thankfulness and wonder and jubilance. And Jesus repeats to them what the angel had said, do not be afraid. Do not let the violence and destruction and oppression and loneliness and stress and anxiety and fear that can be life rule you. Do not let fear have the last word. Do not let the moments of confusion and doubt and unknowing and difficulty and distrust and skepticism and suspicion have the last word. Do not let the realities of broken relationships and loss and failed marriages and failed parenting and mounting bills and whatever it is you have going on, do not let it have the last word. Jesus does not let these headlines have the last words because he is the last word. He, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, overcoming death with life, bringing abundant love in the face of hate, bringing abundant hope in the midst of hopelessness, bringing abundant grace in the midst of sin. Our risen Lord and Savior has the last word, and he says that darkness has no place here. Only light can shine through. He says that he is the sanctuary from the storm. He is the shepherd for all who are lost and wonder. He is the ultimate comforter, deliverer, and sustainer. He is the peace that passes all understanding. He is the great physician. He is the ultimate bread of life. He is the lifeblood that runs through our veins. He is the very breath in our lungs. And that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ knows you knows every part of you, the good and the bad, and he still loves you and loves you with a fierceness that when you really know it, you too will say, I am done with fear, and throw yourself at his feet and sing hallelujah and amen and thanks be to God for he is risen and love reigns. Maybe you are at a place where you need to hear the message, go and tell everyone you know that love reigns. You feel like you have a deep faith, a faith that of course still has moments of fear and doubt and stress and anxiety and confusion in life, but you feel like you know the hope that is in Christ. Your message today, Easter 2019, 
is that which Jesus spoke to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and the disciples. Go and tell the good news so that others may too know the good news, that there is hope and love and grace that is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't the only one who was resurrected. With Christ, we all become resurrected people. Live with that hope and joy today and always. The world needs more of people claiming love and hope and grace in the midst of fear. You may have come to worship today because your grandmother or your mom asked you to come and you politely said yes, and you mean well, certainly. But you wouldn't have come on your own initiative. Or maybe even you come to worship almost every Sunday, but you're a bit skeptical of organized religion and uh, skeptical to this whole God thing, and maybe especially Jesus. Maybe even the church has hurt you, and from the very depth of my heart, even if I don't know you, I am so, so sorry. There is one thing that I know the church is far from perfect. As an ordained, institutionalized representative of the church, let me claim loud and clear that we are far from perfect. But know that even when we make mistakes as the church, know that Jesus, who is perfect, 100%, without a doubt, no exceptions, loves you and cherishes you. Even if you don't feel lovable or cherishable, God names you his own beloved child, and he welcomes doubts and questions and uncertainties and anger. When Mary Magdalene and the other Mary throw themselves at Jesus' feet, their fear is moved to faith not only by their own doing, but by the very presence of a resurrected Christ. Jesus was reaching out to them, and he is reaching out for you. It occurs to me that Jesus didn't stop to see if Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were worthy. If we were to keep reading this chapter of Matthew when Jesus appears to his disciples, Jesus doesn't stop to make a list of the things that the disciples have done wrong, even though one has denied them, one has turned them into the authorities, and who knows what doubts had gone through their minds or left their lips since he was crucified. In fact, in verse 17, when Jesus has appeared to his disciples in Galilee after his resurrection, and he's about to commission them to go and spread the good news, it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So interesting to me. Jesus came to them, all of them, even those who doubted. Jesus came to them and said to them, with all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore, all of you, and make disciples of all nations. All of you are worthy. I want all of you. Jesus claims you all. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, know that when the world throws devastating headlines your way, whether on the news or in your community or in your personal life, God pours forth peace and love and hope. There will be struggles, no doubt, of that we can be sure, but the Christ that overcame death that Sabbath morn, that stepped out of a dark tomb and overcame darkness with pure light, that Christ is with you today. Whatever it is in your life that you label as fear or stress, anxiety, weakness, confusion, Christ today is saying that this too has been conquered. 
There may still be fear, stress, and anxiety, but he is bringing abundant hope and healing in the midst of it. He's bringing life-giving, death-conquering, resurrection, hope in the midst of darkness. And there is the very presence of a living Christ that is here even now to walk with you through whatever it is life brings you. Whatever headlines come your way, no matter how big or how small. May you feel that love and grace and presence today and always. Amen.